Hi, Marked listeners. We're planning some exciting things for the future of the podcast, so we want to hear from you. Take our fun survey and give us all of your opinions about Marked to enter for a chance to win a Lifeway Women backpack filled with Bible studies and other great resources for diving into God's Word. To take the survey, go to lifewaywomen.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes. We can't wait to hear from you. This is season two of the Marked Podcast from Lifeway Women. I'm your host, Mary Margaret Collingsworth. Each week, we'll hear the story of what God has done in the lives of different people. We'll talk about things that have marked them, and I know you'll be encouraged. Most of them are just like you. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Today on the podcast, we have a special visitor. He's a guy. Let me just say that because I know that most of our guests are women. And so today, don't be surprised when you hear a male voice on the other end, um, because I'm going to be interviewing Barnabas Piper. Um, he works here at Lifeway, um, and we've seen each other in the hallway, but we actually haven't met until today. So hello. Right. Hello. So good to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you in person. I know. You too. As like, of seven or eight minutes ago. I know. It's, this is going to be a blast. I'm so excited. Um, but today, I have just finished reading his book, The Curious Christian, which we are going to be talking a little bit about today. Um, but you know, if you have heard him anywhere online, it's probably through his podcast, the happy rant or through five leadership questions. Um, but we're going to give you ways to connect with him online as well. But Barnabas, tell, tell us a little bit about who you are, who I am. So you mentioned the two podcasts that I co-host the happy rant podcast. Uh, if you are a person who enjoys sarcastic humor and poking fun at things, that is sort of the, uh, that's sort of the gist of that one. So myself mm-hmm. and two co-hosts, Ted and Ronnie, uh, we just riff on culture and church and things that we find humorous. Uh, and then the five leadership questions is exactly what it sounds like. That's one that we do here at Lifeway. So Todd Adkins, who's the director of leadership here, and I, uh, we co-host that. And we ask, we either ask a guest five questions about leadership or we ask five questions about a topic. And so that's that's kind of leadership across the board. So mm-hmm. it could be entrepreneurial leadership, could be ministry leadership, could be leadership in the home. There's just sort of, it's, it's a pretty... It's pretty broad in that way. Um, I am an author, so this is my third book. I have two previous ones. One is called The Pastor's Kid. Um, my dad is John Piper, for anybody who's familiar with that name. So that that book was born out of sort of the, the challenges and privileges of being a pastor's kid mm-hmm. and then talking to many, many others uh, to, to just try to paint a picture of what some of those challenges and, and, and uh, opportunities are. Then the second book is called Help My Unbelief, and it's a book about faith and doubt. Uh, but writing is a thing that I do because I love it, and but it's really a thing that I do on the side. My full-time job is here at Lifeway. I'm the marketing manager for our academic publishing team and Bible software. Uh, and then prior to that, I worked with Todd on the leadership development team. I have two daughters who are 11 and 8, and so when I'm not working or writing, I'd spend all my time with them. <laughs> and actually their priority over those other things. I just listed them last because you save the best for last. Exactly. And uh, so, yes, and they, they, they love swimming and one of them is in dance and they play soccer. And so I'm, I'm, I'm the, uh, I don't drive a minivan, Yet. but I'm the, 
there's only two of them, <laughs> and so I, I hope I don't have to. Yep. Uh, but yes, lots of taking them to and from practices mm-hmm. and games and cheering loudly and yep. getting disgruntled at referees and coaches because they don't do their job as well as I would if I was in their shoes. Exactly. And, I mean, that's every dad's job, right? Basically. Yes. Exactly. I, I've been watching church league softball, and I'm like, I don't think this changes even when you get to be adults. It's like everybody's still like, if I was the referee, I'd do something different. Absolutely. So. Yeah, you can always do the job better than the person doing it when you're on the sidelines. Exactly. Always. Always. And how many times have you watched the movie Moana with an eight-year-old and 11-year-old? I've only seen it twice. Okay. Uh, they've, I'm sure they've seen it more. Now, Frozen, when okay. it came out, that was... Like the trump card. I mean, it, there, there are not numbers that, <laughs> that can label the number of times that was watched either in, in part or in full. Mm-hmm. And so I probably know the entire... Uh, soundtrack as well, but yeah. don't put me to the test on okay. that, please. I, I won't, no, but nobody just... <laughs> benefits if that happens. No, but it's just the knowledge of it is good. And um, I feel like that is what, anytime I'm around any girls that are about your girl's age, mm-hmm. I, those are the those are the movies right now that they're singing the songs, they are still wearing the costumes, it is still a very big deal, and um, and it's fun, so. Yes, no, it's it's it was a fun movie. I, I love when when good kids movies come out like there was a mm. Smurfs movie that came out recently like ugh mm. those are terrible <laughs> but like good ones are just tons of fun so yeah. I thought Moana was great it was I a lot of fun too. and I I've know. only seen it twice so I still like it there you go <laughs> maybe like when you get to like seven that's eight, right nine. yeah once you tip past five then mm-hmm. it becomes a, a bane yeah that was like when my mom watched um, Napoleon Dynamite for the first time she said <laughs> I've just lost two hours of my life and I can't get it back you I know? feel the same way about that movie which might be more of a confession because I know there are people who feel very religiously about that movie I, I wish I had those two hours back I like the first time was good but then after that I was like no I can't I can't do this again I can't subject myself to this again but kids movies are different yep so good times anyway um today I, I one thing um that I really wanted to ask you about because when I open up this book uh the first thing I noticed is you dedicated it to your mom mm-hmm. and and I loved the way that you just kind of framed that up and set it up tell me like how did your mom influence curiosity in you or you know influence writing this book or like, tell, like yeah. we've probably got a lot of moms who are listening today and so tell us a little bit about your relationship with your mom and that sort of thing my mom's influence was huge and entirely accidental. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say accidental. She was very intentional on in how she lived life, but it, she wasn't trying to like shape me into a writer or into anything. Yeah. She was just doing things that just sort of including us into things that she was curious about. So the dedication is is basically a series of memories of how mm-hmm. she influenced me. So her reading to us out loud and taking us to museums and toting us to all of our little league games. Yeah. So I grew up in Minnesota, which means that I played football from from uh, elementary school up through high school, which means it's freezing cold for half the season. Yeah. And my mom doesn't like football, mm-hmm. but she never complained. She just wrapped herself up in, in nine layers of wool socks yeah. and coats and took us to those things. And so she was dedicated to our our interests. And mm-hmm. I say our because I have three older brothers and a younger sister and yeah. all have all participated in different things. And she's always listening and always asking questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, NPR was on, so I heard, you know, Fresh Air, yeah. like the, the, the trumpet intro to Fresh Air. Like, <laughs> if I hear that now, it'll take me back to the kitchen when dinner was cooking when yeah. I was like nine years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so just it's just a pattern of those kinds of things, all of which planted seeds in me of, of passion and interest and 
and just absorbing the world around you. But then even more than that was what she was really intentional about was helping us see the world beyond our, our little culture. So I grew up in inner city Minneapolis in a really diverse neighborhood. At one point, the neighborhood I grew up in, Phillips neighborhood, had more languages spoken than I think any other, any other neighborhood in the country, wow. if I recall correctly. So lots of immigrants, um, it, just a real blend. And so... And my mom loved that, mm-hmm. and she loved the people in the neighborhood. It wasn't just sort of a, a nifty concept to her. Yeah. And so I was raised to have those values, and she modeled them, and she welcomed she welcomed those those neighbors and treated them as neighbors. And so that was something that I began to see the world beyond sort of my borders and my culture as a, a middle class white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, international travel. My parents uh, were part of a church that was very supportive of missions and they sent us on missions trips, some yeah. of which were very rugged and some of which were, were more easygoing. And, and so getting a chance to participate and see uh, parts of the world and the way that God works. I mean, I remember just the profound experience of seeing people worship in a church in a small village in the mountains of Guatemala mm-hmm. and, and just it dawning on me at 16 or 17 years old, like, oh, God speaks Spanish. Yeah. Mm. Which is is a ridiculous thing to say because mm-hmm. God does, I mean, God created the languages and people yeah. all communicate with that. And then you think about one day every knee will bow and every tongue yeah. confess all the languages. But but that was a revelation to me. And that was something my parents encouraged and supported. Mm-hmm. So those are, and those are just a fragment of the ways. I mean, there was reading and writing and just sort of a world of of engagement with the world around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and And she was... She was, I think, the most sort of hands-on in, in both pushing us into those things yeah. as well as, as just sort of doing them herself. And so it became just the, the norm. Mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. And it just, I think it comes from just that innate desire to just be present. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we are in a totally new new stage of life with when it comes to the way that technology integrates that it can be so helpful but also like do you feel as you parent your girls mm-hmm. do you feel like technology is at all a hindrance or like how does it play into like some of the experiences that you had growing right. up that now you're trying to cultivate with them you know do you feel like that is a hindrance at all in the, in the middle I feel like technology uh is like any good thing mm-hmm. it 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 can tilt into a weakness. Yeah. It can become a crutch, you know? So, uh, and I'm not talking about like the sense of people just Google everything and nobody remembers anything. Like right. I think Google is amazing mm-hmm. because there's no question you can't get answered. Yeah. If, if my kids ask me a question, I do not have an excuse for not getting them an answer yeah. within, you know, 90 seconds, mm-hmm. you know, dad, what's the biggest city in the world? That was one I got two days ago. Yeah. And I mean, I was driving, so I couldn't look it up what I did when I got home. Mm-hmm. And then I have now forgotten what the answer is. Um, <laughs> it used to be Mexico city. I can't remember what it is anymore, but, uh, but so I'm not talking about that, but just like you said, the, the disengagement from the world. Mm-hmm. And so I think as a parent, yeah, it's, it's our job to be intentional about helping to kind of push them into experiences, face-to-face relationships yep. instead of face to screen mm-hmm. and, uh, imaginative kinds of things. So everything from drawing to reading to make believe. I mean, I love the fact that my girls still, they still play make believe with Legos mm-hmm. and toys and dress ups and things that like, that doesn't have any inherent value right. in itself, but the way that that shapes the mind in terms of creativity mm-hmm. and imagination and curiosity yeah. will set them up better for later later on in life. Whereas if they are fully absorbed constantly in in a digital sort of 
alter universe. Mm -hmm. I think that, that they're sort of unplugged from reality. And then I think a big piece of it is, like I said, is face-to-face relationships. Like I, I want my children to have real friends and to be able to interact in a, in a, you know, Mm face-to-face eye contact, respectful, mature way, you know, in an, in an age appropriate manner. But, um, but I think face to screen takes away people's ability to answer questions and have a conversation and just sort of navigate the complexities of human relationship. Mm-hmm. But technology also offers opportunities that never existed before too. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a both and, but I, I definitely think there's a, there's a cautionary side to it mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, for sure. And how do you feel like, what are some of the things that you do, you know, or maybe that you have done intentionally or just things that you've done naturally and then gone, Oh gosh, like you kind of turn around and look later to cultivate those things in your girls, like to be, Mm -hmm. to be present, to, um, to help them be imaginative and think outside the box and things like that. Like what are some things that you guys have done? Um, I think one of the big things is that I, I try, I try very hard to, to let them, to to help them see that like, there's never an excuse for boredom. Mm. Boredom just means you're not trying hard enough (laughs) because there's always something interesting to do. Boredom is more of an attitude than it is a, a, like there's nothing to do. Yeah. And so like if my 11 year old comes to me and says, dad, I'm bored. I'll just start listing things Uh and I'll be like, well, you've got a shelf full of books and you've got a drawer full of paper and markers and pencils. Mm -hmm. You've got the entire outdoors. You've got, you know, like we can just go. Yeah. Um, and because boredom, what, 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 what the easiest default for a parent is, is a screen. Mm -hmm. And, and again, this is not to judge this because I think parents deal with enough guilt as is. And oh, there's, yeah. I think screen games, whether it's whether it's a mobile device or video games, mm-hmm. those are fun. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. They just can't be the default, yeah. I think. Um, but then that also comes back to me because sometimes that means I ought to be more engaged. Like, let's go do something together. So mm-hmm. let's go. Let's go hike around a state park. Let's go outside and play Frisbee. Let's do something together that that, again, engages. Mm-hmm. And that's good relationally. It's good for me, too, because otherwise it's it's easy to kind of send the kids to go play and I yeah. go do something else. But also good for them. Um, so I think that's it. I think the other thing is just asking your kids good questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the best at this. Yeah. Uh, it's something I. I try to do, and I'm always, I always appreciate when other parents do it well, cause I can learn from them, mm-hmm. but asking them questions about their day beyond just like, how was your day? Cause right. at, at some point it becomes, how was your day? Fine, good. And then on to the rest. Like mm-hmm. that's not a conversation. That's a script. Yeah. Um, so asking them questions about what was the best part of your day and having them tell a story about you know, their talent show or their math test or a friend that they got in a fight with or whatever it yeah. is. And that, that builds a sense of curiosity relationally. Mm -hmm. And then also just those kinds of questions can tilt into, like you mentioned Moana earlier, Mm -hmm. like there are conversations to be had about that in terms of you could, you could be a character conversation. You could be a, what was the best part of the story? Who was the funniest character Mm -hmm. just to get them to think instead of just sort of letting the story wash over them. Oh yeah. And just, I think just at least giving them the opportunity to, to take it a step further, like Mm -hmm. what you're saying and not just to let it be an experience that's over. And then we move on. And it is, it is really easy to get into that rut of like, how was your day? And like what, Mm -hmm. just to ask these really simple questions. And then we end up with really simple answers. And I, and I'm, 
the way that I'm relational, like I'm such a verbal person that I'm like, that's boring. Like that's, it is a, it's ends up being boring conversation, yeah. boring questions, but it's our default. And yes. even, you know, passing people in the hallway, go, how are you? I'm fine. I'm good. good. How Thanks. are you? Yep. And sometimes I'll stop and go, I'm really not, you know, but, but this is just, just depends where on how I well am. you know. Them. Exactly. Right. It depends yeah. on who the person is. Um, but, but it is that just cultivating, um, yeah. an opportunity for them to, to not just end mm-hmm. it with whatever's on the screen. And, and I think that I remember back when my parents, um, you know, when, when they were raising me and my brothers, what that looked like, um, when we would see stuff on TV that maybe was a hard thing that we saw mm-hmm. and they would go, let's talk about it. Right. Let's have a conversation so that we didn't just leave not really understanding what had just happened. You know, so I think it's the, it's the good curiosity, mm-hmm. but then it's that curiosity that can be taken in a negative direction or a hard direction that you have to also, you know, rein back in. And I'm not a parent, but just right. watching other people do that, I think is crucial. When, and that's one of the, that, that's one of the elements of curiosity that I think we lose as Christians is we want hard and fast, yeah. like neat boundaries to things. Uh-huh. And the world is, the world is not a place of neat boundaries. Yeah. So helping kids to, to navigate the complexities of relationships or, or the news, you know, when there was the, uh, when there was the, the attacks in Paris a few months ago, mm-hmm. I, you know, my daughter saw something on the news or heard something on the radio. And like, all of a sudden we had a conversation about what is terrorism, mm-hmm. which, you know, I wish I didn't have to have that conversation. Yeah but I better because it's all around us. Um, and you know, the recent presidential election, Mm -hmm. there was so much contentious back and forth about that. And so they were asking me about who the candidates are and why do some people feel like this? And why are some people like this? Those are opportunities to, to engage this and to give them a framework for how to, how to think in a God honoring way in a complex situation and to ask good questions and to not shut them down, Mm -hmm. uh, but to, to engage further and to observe further and to, you know, to, to really think through these things. Mm -hmm. And I, something you said a second ago reminded me of something I read in your book and I'm going to quote you for a second, which is slightly awkward because you're sitting in front of me, but it's okay. I won't remember writing it. So okay, good. Well, here's, here's what you said when you wrote this book, you said, godly curiosity keeps us from becoming simplistic legalists who just label everything as either good or bad. This is discernment, a trait all wise Christians have, and one that relies on curiosity so that it can deeply understand. Um, most things in our world are not purely good or bad, mm-hmm. and and I think that that so struck me because um, you know I grew up my my dad's in ministry. You know I grew up as a as a pastor's kid, mm-hmm. and just that whole like oh I'm supposed to do the good thing, the right thing. You know here are the thing the things you're supposed to do. Here are the things you're supposed you're not supposed to do. You know, but then it kind of in some ways, and I don't think that was what my parents pushed on me. Right. I think that was I'll, I'll never forget this kid named Davey in the second grade looked at me. I told somebody to shut up. And he said, he said, your dad's a pastor. You're not supposed to tell anybody to oh, shut up. That you phrase. Know, yes. And, um, you know, but it just that your dad's a pastor phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's like, that's I'm a getting, good one. <laughs> um, you know, it's but the just worst. it is the worst. And, and I still get it sometimes, mm-hmm. which is like, what? Like, but, I'm not a pastor's kid. I'm a pastor's grown up. Exactly. I'm an adult. <laughs> but, um, but just those, that discernment that I think that we learn that I think when, when we see it as discernment and not mm-hmm. legalism. And when we see it as something like we've got to just make, we've got to look at the the cards that are right in front of us, where, where we are. And because the legalistic side of it just becomes hard and fast and becomes mm-hmm. very black and white. And there are some, you know, looking at scripture, there are some things that are hard and fast, black and white. Yes. But when we look at, at our lives, the way that we go about what we do, I think to not be curious about things, to not ask questions of the Lord, you know, and you know, it, it and even, and even how us. we communicate those black and white things. Like yeah. there are, there are things that are definitively right and definitively wrong, mm-hmm. but we can communicate those in a way that people can receive or in a way that understands who they are. Yeah. You know, different people receive 
truth differently. So it's the same truth, mm-hmm. but sometimes you can, you know, you can lay it on heavy. Yeah. And sometimes that's the right thing to do. And sometimes it needs to be a gentle, mm-hmm. you know, kind of introduction to this truth. Yeah. But, and if everything is hard and fast, you, you, you know, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. That's the truth. And so, and, and I think Christians default to that. Yeah. We are the hammer. The world is the nail. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a simplistic explanation, but I think that's, that is a, it's a thing we tend toward. And that's why I think curiosity is, is so important because we realize the complexities of the people who are receiving the truth mm-hmm. and the reality that not everything is a hard and fast, right and wrong, yep. you know, black or white kind of truth. And I think one thing I have learned through experience and through somebody telling me this at some point, they just said, Mary Margaret, don't be afraid to ask questions or to ask questions of mm-hmm. people to help them get to the answer they're trying to get to. Yeah. Because I think so often our, my default is somebody who tends to be black and white about things is to say the black and white answer. Yes. And then, and I have to like, a lot of times just like pull myself back and go, well, what makes you think this way? Or what, mm-hmm. how did you get to this conclusion that then it's not just me saying what I feel like is the answer, but it's, it's opening a door for a conversation right. to happen as a result. And I think as adults, that's where the tension lies is this, you know, we, we so often just go about our day. We do our thing. We know, we know, we know things now that we didn't know when we were growing up. And so things are just, it's just kind of how they are. And so we forget to ask right. the why questions. And so, you know, how does that look like for you as an adult, you know, as, as a grown up now, as, um, you know, all of that, yeah. like, how does that come into play, you know, with, with curiosity now for you and your life, you know, just for yourself? Yeah. M- having kids is really beneficial in this mm-hmm. because in, in, when it comes to curiosity, nobody asks why more than a child yeah. and nobody kind of sees through the, the adult nonsense quite yeah. like a kid. They're like, <laughs> but why do you do it that way? Yep. And then you have to kind of sit back and go, I don't know. There's no good <laughs> Not reason. A clue. Yeah, there's no good reason Mm-mm. for why this is the way it is, and and maybe we should rethink how it is. I mean, and that could be anything from like urban planning to like mm-hmm. why do we why do we have this morning routine? Yeah. So kids are really beneficial in that way if you're humble enough to listen. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to think that you don't need to listen to children. Yeah. Because they're kids and you're an adult, so clearly their opinion is mm-hmm. less valid. Uh, that's you know, that's wrong, but that's, it's easy to think that way. Um, and then I think the other way is just a, it becomes a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. If you begin to, to ask questions and see the world through a lens of a couple things, one is curiosity has to be humble Mm -hmm. to start with. It's a, uh, because it's an inherent position of, I don't know. I don't yeah. know everything. I don't know what I don't know. I just know that I don't know a lot of stuff. Yep. And so what is out there that I haven't observed and I don't know? So you start with that and then you just start looking for things to, to find an alternative perspective. And it's not contrarian. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to find the opposite of everything that exists, right. but just to say like, what have we missed? Mm-hmm. We do things this way. And that, so in a business context, are there better ways to do this? Yeah. We've done this, the same process to publish materials for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Might there be a better way to do this? Yeah. Um, we've run the same meeting every Monday morning, the same way for mm-hmm. two years. Is it, is there a better way to do this? Is it more fruitful? Yeah. Um, you can do the same thing in the, in a family context, like, okay, family worship or family devotions has mm-hmm. looked like this. Like, is it actually benefiting anybody or would it be better if we, if we did it a different way, if we loosened mm-hmm. up a little bit, if we, we made it more engaging, um, those what ifs and why questions are really, really valuable ones. Um, and, and I think, 
I think some people are more wired to view the whole world that way. Mm. They're just constantly going, what if, why? There's yeah. sort of that, that wonderment. I think some people are more likely to latch on to one thing and mm-hmm. dig into it. Neither of those is more valuable than the other. And, yeah. and you know, similarly to the way God made people to complement one another with mm-hmm. our gifts, that's, this is a similar this is a similar kind of thing yeah. because I'm a noticer kind of person. So mm-hmm. I just sort of look around the world and I'm constantly like, why mm-hmm. other people are more focused, but we, we benefit one another because I can bring things to their attention that they missed yeah. and they can give me information that I would never otherwise know. Yeah. And so I say that to say that curiosity doesn't have one size and shape. Mm-hmm. It can be very relational. It can be very extroverted. Yeah. It can also be very introverted. Mm-hmm. You can be extremely curious about a small number of things, and that's no less valuable than somebody who just asks one question about everything. Right. Um, so for me, it is, yeah, it's just an, it's a constant acknowledgement of, I, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I don't know what I don't know. So I just want to keep exploring and learning yep. um, and, and finding the next the next thing, whatever yeah. that is. Um, and, and if I can find a fruitful object of that, like my kids are, are a great example or church, you know, these, these communities mm-hmm. where what's, what's the next way to engage this, to learn. Yep. Um, and in any relationship, uh, people are dynamic. Yeah. People don't stay the same. You and I are not the same as we were uh, a year ago, let alone 10 years ago. Yeah. And so anybody who's been friends with us over that course of time mm-hmm. has had to remain curious about us to keep up to date with right. who we are and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so curiosity is profoundly important when it comes to maintaining a healthy relationship. So I mean, these, are, these are all just examples of kind of how it can be pointed out into life. Mm-hmm. And that, that makes sense. And I think it's so interesting because you'll see articles online and I mean, like in, for me, like I'll look on Pinterest and go, <laughs> you know, even some of those questions, it's like good questions on a first date or good questions for, you know, this situation or whatever. Yeah. And you can find just laundry lists, but yeah. I think it, it's that lifelong curiosity that we have with other people in relationships that like, that does keep us going because if everything were to just stay the same, we'd get bored yeah. and, and we'd probably quit or we'd move on. And, and there are some things that I think in some relationships, it's kind of like, okay, we're at, you know, there's just nothing else interesting happening here, you know, so maybe it is time to kind of naturally make a next move or whatever. And, you know, but then there are some people that are just like fascinating to me, right. you know, that I'm just like, I want to know more. And it just kind of, it, it becomes endless in that pursuit because of, you know, because you keep things, you keep questions on the table and you keep talking about it. And one of my mom's favorite, we always say it's one of our favorite games to play is what if, um, <laughs> because you can wipe it all away at the end. Like, yeah. you, but it's just sometimes I, and some walks that we'll take, like when we've been on family trips to the beach or and we're just kind of talking and we're, there's no distraction or whatever. She'll go, let's just play what if about this. And I remember even when I was looking for a job a few mm-hmm. years ago out of seminary, trying to figure out like, what am I going to do with my life? And right. you know, that whole, all of those questions. Um, she said, let's just play what if, and we ran all these scenarios. We talked about all these options. And then at the end of the day, we just said, all right, Lord, like, you know, all of, the, you know, every bit of this. And and honestly, what I ended up doing was a complete su- surprise to me. It was in none of the what if scenarios, but, but, but I, at least but I asking wonder, the question. I wonder if your openness to doing what came next was was fed by coming up with 12 possibilities. Oh, I totally think it was. So the, the what if game is, for some people that's terrifying yeah. because they're such planners. Mm-hmm. And I would venture to say that people who are highly organized planners, um, for them, this idea of sort of open-ended curiosity is mm-hmm. maybe more of a struggle. Yeah. And that's okay. That it's that's Again, that's kind of the way God wired them because those of us who are open-ended probably need a little bit more planning in our lives. Um, but, 
but that openness to, well, what about this? How about this? Mm-hmm. Is the kind of thing that even if you didn't, even if you didn't land on the answer, yeah. it created a sense of they're all possibilities. Yeah. It's not a, this is the one right answer mm-hmm. and that's the one wrong answer yeah. kind of mentality. And it, it is easy. And I think I am, I am a planner in my work. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, as I go about my day to day stuff, like I like the, the, this is how this is going to shake out. I'm an event coordinator. So like, I want the timeline of yeah. like this, is, this, there's predictability to all of this. And then like, when I walk out of work at the end of the day, I'm just like, what if, like, what if we, yeah. you know, just turn things on it on its head. And it is, it's a very weird. And I remember taking one of those personality assessments a few years ago and I took it to the guy I'm like I'm not like on the chart and he goes well you have to have a fun personality Mary Margaret and it was one of those where he kind of explained those two he said you kind of live in two worlds yep. of like at work you're you know this it functions this way but then you move into your personal life and it kind of functions differently and he said and you're gonna have to live in the tension in between because you are a planner but you are you yeah. like to have the options out there that word tension is a really important one because it's a thing we're really uncomfortable with yeah most people we want everything to be just so we want to remove tension, Mm -hmm. but life is just, it just is tension. Yeah. People, we are complex. I'm a similar, I'm similar to what you described in terms of that. When I'm at work, I have a mentality Mm -hmm. and a way of getting things done. And when I'm in my personal life, I'm, I'm more easygoing and, and less sort of driven, decisive, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, those are not in conflict with one another. It is, it's two things that God has wired in me to meet two separate circumstances. Um, and so that's, is that a tension? Yeah. And sometimes I, sometimes it takes a minute to shift from one to the other. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I begin to like manage my children instead of parenting my children. Mm -hmm. And I have to remember that I'm a manager at work and I'm a parent at home and parenting is, is a whole different set of (laughs) things. Um, I never bring parenting to work, though. I don't know why that is. It only goes the other direction. <laughs> I don't know that they. I don't know your um, team would appreciate. Yeah, that. no, I don't. No, I don't think they would no. enjoy that much. But I, but I think that idea of tension is part of the reason why curiosity is because even you going to the guy who was sort of facilitating that discussion and saying, "Well, what about this? Mm-hmm. How do I navigate this?" That's an open-minded curiosity to yeah. say. You didn't judge it. You weren't like, "Oh, I'm broken," or mm-hmm. "Oh, this is wrong." Right. You said, "What about? Mm-hmm. What if?" That's an open-minded, curious mind, you know, kind of a curious sense of things that that opened you up to see something new about yourself and probably... I imagine in some way helped you flourish a little bit more at work and a little bit more in yeah. your personal life. Cause too. it didn't make me feel like something was wrong. Right. He just said, you just need to know this about yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, boom, done. I know it. Like, let's, let's do this. And, um, cause it wasn't the way that my, everything, the dots on the chart came out. I was like, I'm not in one of the charts in the back. So like to help <laughs> me understand what's going on inside yeah. my head. Um, you know, but how do we take that kind of curiosity, you know, when it comes to God, when it comes to scripture, how mm-hmm. do we take a healthy approach to being curious about, about those things? That, yeah. that feel a little bit like, are we supposed to be curious about this? What are we like? How do we use that word and yeah. that mentality when it comes to those things? I think curiosity is a threatening word when we apply it to how most people approach scripture mm-hmm. and God, because most people are looking for, they, they think in terms of habits and spiritual disciplines and structure yep. and, and sort of definitive answers. We yeah. want definitive theological answers and moral answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we discussed earlier, those things do exist. Truth is real. Yeah. It is a concrete thing. Mm-hmm. We don't always know what it is, <laughs> but, it, but we believe in, in an objective, true reality. Yep. But we need to take a step back from that and think about God differently in order to, you know, for curiosity to help us really thrive. And it, so I'm just going to walk through this, hopefully not get too philosophical or confusing. <laughs> God is an infinite, perfect God. Mm-hmm. We don't think in terms of infinity very often because 
we're not capable of it because yeah. we are we're these finite limited beings we have a limited lifespan we have mm-hmm. a, a limited understanding of things none of that applies to god yeah and he's infinitely perfect and so when god gives us his word as a revelation of himself so this is it's a window into the world of god into the mission of god the will of god the plan of god it's a window it's not the entirety of it mm-hmm. because God couldn't reveal the entirety of himself to us because we couldn't handle it. Right. That's why the Bible says his ways are too wonderful for us. Mm-hmm. His knowledge is too wonderful. It's, it's too much yeah. for us. That means that we have limitless opportunity to discover and wonder and encounter more of God's reality in all of these aspects of life. Mm. That's where curiosity yeah. comes in. So when you sit down to read your Bible one or two or seven times a week, whatever pattern you're on, the more the merrier, (laughs) um, you're not fulfilling a spiritual discipline in and of itself. It is, and that's a good thing. You are throwing open the shutters to the window into who and what and God is and how he does things. Mm. And every time is an opportunity to discover something new about him. Yeah. And that's why scripture can be called living and mm-hmm. active, not just the greatest literary work in history. Yeah. So, so that means that for the rest of our life, we have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of our eternity, we have that opportunity. Yeah. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if, if we ran out of things to encounter that were wonderful about God, but mm-hmm. we never will. So all of that is why curiosity in spiritual life is not just a, a good thing, mm-hmm. but it's an essential thing. Yeah. It's how we can continue to grow. Mm-hmm. It's how we can take these truths about God that we've encountered and experienced and hopefully have transformed yeah. us and then turn them around to face them out into the world, to be to be a disciple who is an influencer of our neighbors and our friends mm-hmm. and our culture. And so it's curiosity is not a spiritual discipline and it's not, it's not a, it, but it is the thing that fuels all the spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that makes prayer vibrant. Yeah. It's the thing that makes Bible reading vibrant and mm-hmm. hospitality and fasting and these other things that are, are key parts of the Christian yeah. life. Because if you're just doing those to fulfill a to fulfill a duty or because you're supposed to, they will simply dry up. They oh, will yeah. become a husk of a habit mm-hmm. that just it'll just, fall just crumble. Flat. It'll just yeah. crumble over time. Mm-hmm. But that curiosity about the wonderment of this infinite God breathes life into those over and over and over again as they start to, you know, we will inevitably get bored because yeah. we do that. <laughs> but they will continue to breathe life into it so that our boredom wanes and our wonder grows. Mm. That's good. And it just, I think that's what fuels us as we grow, as we you know move forward is, is to, to just continue to ask questions and to not, to not be afraid when it does kind of feel dry mm-hmm. to go, what, like, why is this dry? That then, that then fuels us to ask somebody else to go, what, what are you doing? How yeah. can I learn from you? Or just whatever it is that that looks like, because I think otherwise it is just a, a checklist of yeah. things that we do because we feel like, cause somebody has told us we should, or mm-hmm. we feel like that's, you know, like, I've just got to do these things so that I'm, you know, doing right or whatever, yeah. but just to, to keep it moving that direction. And one other question I wanted to ask you, um, it, because this podcast is called marked and I always ask everybody <laughs> this question, um, what is something, you know, whether it's in the process of, mm-hmm. of this book or just where you are right now, what is something that has marked you hmm. or that you've been marked by? It's a really, it's a really open-ended question. It is um, it's a big one. Something that has marked me. I think, so we, 
we started talking about the dedication of the book to my mom. Yeah. And so those seeds planted early on creating in me or, or fostering in me, because I'm sure there's a nature nurture combination mm-hmm. there, this sense of curiosity towards the world and towards God's word. Um, that, that has been a thing that has marked me because this is, since this was my third book, as I look back, I realize the same themes are in the first two mm-hmm. themes of the first one is about kind of searching for an identity yeah. as a pastor's kid. The second one is faith and doubt. So again, questions of truth and tension. Mm-hmm. And this, this book sums those up to a degree to say, this is the mindset because it's a lens through which I can, I can gauge myself mm-hmm. when I'm falling apart as a parent. So when I'm falling down on the job, yeah. it's usually because I've lost curiosity and I've become sort of dried up and myopic. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm only seeing this one thing instead of recognizing my children's emotions or, or my own, you know, exhaustion or whatever it yeah. is. If I'm, if I'm not enjoying my work, mm-hmm. similar thing. Yep. If, if I feel distance in a friendship, similar thing. If I feel distance from God or I'm not exhibiting the fruits of the spirit, Mm -hmm. similar thing. So it becomes a lens and it's not a mantra. It's just a thing that I look at and I go, Oh, I've lost that. I've lost that sense of exploration into, to how this ought to be done or could be done better. So just that, that lens through which life, spiritual life, personal life, Mm -hmm. relational life, work life can be viewed as curiosity. I think that is a thing that has marked me. And I think it could do the same for, for others if they kind of embodied it in their own way as God has, has wired them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for just talking today about yeah. curiosity. This I was curious to say, for lack of a better word, to see you know just what this would look like. Even when I saw the title of your book, and I, you know, just trying to go, what like what does that look like for us as we as we walk out our faith, as we um, pursue the Lord, as we are in relationships with one another, you know, to be to remain curious, to to keep asking questions. And I hope for those of you who are listening today that you um, have heard something today that has sparked some questions in you, and maybe you are in a place where you love to ask questions. You Um, love to just pursue that, but maybe some of you are feeling a little bit dry and I hope that today you have, um, maybe a spark has ignited in you to, to begin to keep asking those things as you pursue the Lord, as you pursue Mm -hmm. relationships with others. And, um, and I think that's the goal at the end of the day is that we would just continue to, to walk forward and not let our lives, you know, that are meant for the glory of God to, um, to point people towards him, um, be dry and still because we're, we're just okay with how things are. And, um, and so thank you so much for, for being here today and for talking yeah. um to all all of these women who are listening and hopefully a few men hopefully a few men um but we're glad that you guys have joined Either us one is fine with me Ex- exactly no me too yeah. we're not partial here <laughs> um but i hope that you guys will will take a look um at lifewaywomen.com we'll give you the um, the links to all the show notes links to how you can connect with barnabas online um listen to his other podcasts um and i will tell you one of my favorite things about the happy rant is just the titles and like the the, the, the other day i was reading i was like huh i was like that sounds they uh, there's always like at least one like trigger in there that i'm like yeah i need to listen uh, there's something funny there so anyway working exactly oh, good. it does work <laughs> victory but awesome well thank you guys for joining us and we will see you next time on the marked podcast thanks so much for listening if you want to join in on the conversation tweet at me you can find me on twitter and instagram at mary margaret c you can also find lifeway women on all social media channels at lifeway women use the hashtag marked podcast to connect with us all of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com forward slash podcast Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It's a great way for other people who aren't listening yet to find us. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next week.
Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for Teen Girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.